Hi, I'm Helen and this is Why Mums Don't Jump. Busting taboos about leaks and lumps after childbirth. All the stuff that happens to your pelvic floor that no one ever talks about. Incontinence, prolapse, pelvic pain, problems that affect millions of women. One in three. I'm one of them. I have a prolapse. My pelvic organs fell out of place after the birth of my second child. And if you had told me back then that I'd be speaking about this stuff out loud, I would have told you to give your head a wobble. Hi, welcome back. Um, or welcome if you're joining us for the first time. I really need to catch you up on what's been going on because so much has happened in the last couple of weeks since the book, the book was released. Um, we've had two launch events, one in London, one in Manchester, because why not? Um, with loads of people who I'm not going to list them because I'll be here forever and I'll forget someone, but um, loads of people who've been involved and some of the amazing women who have allowed me to share their stories, the experts who have lent their wisdom. We met, we mingled, it was a lot of fun. Uh, then there's been the publicity around the launch, including an article in a national newspaper last week and off the back of that. Women have sent me some beautiful messages and emails and I haven't had a chance to go through them all yet, but I will. Um, and some of them talk about how they've been struggling for years or even decades with pelvic floor issues with little or no support, which just underlines the point of this whole thing. Um, then there was a radio interview on BBC Five Live last week where myself and the pelvic health physiotherapist Emma Brockwell got to chat with Nihal Arthanaika for nearly an hour and which had such a great response, including this call from a dad who he got on air who had heard the discussion and then left work early to go home and hug his wife because he sort of finally understood what she'd been through with her pelvic floor problems. Um, I'm not sure if I've explained that very well, but listen back on BBC Sounds if you get a chance. It was quite a moment. So that all happened. And then there's just been this general response from loads of people, reviews of the book that have been so nice to read. Uh, one woman told me she'd read seven chapters in a weekend and that every word resonated. And I was really so happy to know that it's having this impact. So, you know, if you've bought it, thank you. If you've read it and you like it, please leave a review on Amazon even if you didn't buy it there, because it will help others to find it. That's enough from me. Uh, on today's episode, so this is really about just how hard it can be to recover from childbirth, especially if it hasn't gone exactly to plan. It's about our lack of knowledge about what our bodies have gone through and the challenge of finding the right support to get us back to where we want to be. I'm quite excited I'm quite excited to tell you that I had a, the nicest chat with the actress Sarah Jane Dunn, who you might know from the drama Hollyoaks. She played Mandy Richardson for 20 years. She is co-host of the Hot and Bothered podcast. She's star of OnlyFans. And something you may not know about Sarah is that she's a fitness instructor and so is her husband. And as luck would have it, they both qualified in pre and postnatal fitness just as they got pregnant with their child, with their son, which was around seven years ago. Now, I never know what's useful in terms of trigger warnings. So please bear in mind that we are going to jump straight in with Sarah's experience of childbirth, including a Vontus delivery, episiotomy, retained placenta, 
Uh, she'd had an induction where her waters were broken and she'd had a long pushing stage as well. And I'll let her pick it up from here. And I remember thinking, okay, this is fine. I can manage this. It's not as sort of intense as I, I think, I think when you, you you never had a baby. So you, and you hear all these horror stories, don't you? And you don't know what to expect. And some people say it's the most horrendous thing ever. And some people say it's a breeze. And, and I think in my head, I'd sort of gone, it's going to really, really hurt. Like it's going to be, and you see like dramas, don't you? Where people are screaming and there's no sort of, um, real, uh, representation of what Mm -hmm. birth is. And I guess that's because it looks different for everyone. So you can't Mm -hmm. go, this is, you know, this is how it's going to go. Um, so it, for me, I think it was, it was bearable. Like I could do it. And yeah. I'm, my pain threshold's quite high anyway, I think. And I have my husband there with me and have Beyonce on playing <laughs> loud in the background on a loop. It's <laughs> like, she's my, yes. she's, she's my warrior. She's going to get me through this. And it got to, like, I'd been pushing, like I say, for a long time. And I remember thinking I was bearing down and nothing was happening and I remember thinking I got to a point and I was so tired Mm -hmm. so it wasn't the pain anymore I was just exhausted I hadn't eaten because I'd had the gas and air and I'd been sick so whatever I'd eaten before I had no longer had I was drinking Luca's age so I was just like going through all the power drinks um and I got to the point where I couldn't I couldn't go for a wee anymore either because everything just felt so heavy like he was so ready to come out but for some reason he wasn't and it all sort of then you see the room change don't you like yeah the atmosphere just the atmosphere changes yeah Yeah. and I had a lovely midwife and I because of shifts changing I then had another midwife and so you've sort of got a few different people on that that journey with you and I remember it went from being sort of calm and yeah you know when you feel like need to push you just push and you just go for it to them really being like come on you need to push and it almost feeling like it was my fault that it wasn't coming out and I'm thinking I'm doing everything I can and I'm pushing and I'm bearing down and I'm doing everything that you've t- like I've been told um in your prenatal classes and and nothing was happening and then that's when they started calling the doctors in and and they couldn't really work out why he wasn't coming I think they could see the top of his head but he just wasn't moving past a certain point um, and then I think then they obviously intervene like physically. So suddenly there's a doctor's hand <laughs> in the, and it starts, so that's for me, that was when it started becoming like painful because obviously, mm-hmm. but at that point as well, I think I was so, you're so ready for your child to be out, aren't you? I was exhausted. So it was sort of a bit of a, like whatever needs to happen now. Yeah. One for his safety, two for this to be over with. Yeah. And just let's, you know, so you sort of put your trust in that team that are around you. And they were amazing. Um, So in the end, they, he wasn't moving. And I think they were getting worried about him, obviously, as well, and me. Um, And so the doctors (laughs) changed shift again. So I had one doctor come in and he tried to sort of intervene and he you know they were really encouraging me to push and then I think he made the decision to then cut me so I didn't tear I was cut yeah um and again it's all a bit of a blur that because I yeah. think your adrenaline's just pumping isn't it and you mm-hmm. are just in well you're so tired as well you're, you're delirious so t- aren't yeah, you yeah and you're off your head on gas and yeah. air and yeah um 
And so he cut me and I remember, obviously remember that, but I remember thinking, what, again, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. we need. I just want my baby out safe. And then they used um, the Von Tuss. Mm-hmm. Um, So they had to help him out. And that worked, pulled. I remember like his head coming out and then the next bit's pretty easy, isn't it? He just came out, they put him on me. Uh, they checked him first, obviously, then they put him on me. So we had our sort of contact um, skin on skin moment. And then you're sort of, Still there, aren't you, with your legs in the, um, the lovely what they called the <laughs> stirrups, what's called, or whatever stirrups. That's yeah, it. yeah. Um, and I didn't. I was just then like in with with Stanley and very much like so relieved that it was over and thinking, well, that's it now. The worst bit is done. Like, because again, you you're not told. Like once you have the baby, no one tells you what happens next. No, nope. I don't remember ever being told that bit. Ever being sort of like the step by step, like once you've had the child, these are the possibilities dependent on how the birth's gone. Like, um, I don't think I was ever told no. that actually. I don't think so either. You're so no. busy getting through the pregnancy to the point of birth and what that might be like. And yeah. then it's like, after that, no idea. You're Not on your clue. own. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And there should be some sort of, there should be information. And that's why these conversations are great, aren't they? And why yeah, exactly. it's amazing to, to have these openly and to be honest. And that's yeah. why I like to be, really honest about it because we need to be informed like whatever that looks like and just hearing different women's stories is so important and I wish I had and Mm -hmm. you know I'd be much more clued up now if I had another child but I wasn't before and like you say you're all sort of it's all about the pregnancy and it's all about the birth and then it's like and bang yeah so I was sort of in my little bubble relieved that I'd had him relieved that he was safe um he was on me skin on skin and then I remember another doctor so that's what happened then the doctors changed shift okay yeah again Mm -hmm. (laughs) so another doctor came in so not the one that had delivered Stanley they sort of swapped and um he came in and they were like right we need to get your placenta out again I knew nothing about this I sort of like I don't think it was something I'd either I'd either not registered or it hadn't been explained to me that once you had the mm-hmm. baby, that wasn't it. You then had mm-hmm. to get your placenta out. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that meant or what that looked like. And so the midwife and the doctor were like, you need to get your placenta out. You just sort of like relax as much as you can and we're going to just pull it out. Mm-hmm. We might need you to push a little bit. It was like, right, okay, I can do that. And I will never forget <laughs> sort of what happened next. So the doctor was literally pulling on um, the umbilical cord. It was almost like he had his feet up against the bed because he's pulling oh. with such force. And there's a midwife stood behind him and all of a sudden the tension just went and I saw his face and I saw the midwife's face and I will never forget the look on their faces because I knew at that moment that something wasn't right, that whatever had happened wasn't supposed to happen. And they looked at me and the midwife must have, must have seen my face sort of going, what the hell? She was like, it's fine. It's fine. Your placenta hasn't come out. So basically the umbilical cord had snapped. So my placenta was still um, inside my womb. And so the next thing that then sort of happened was like, right, we're going to have to get you, take you down to theatre. Um, so Stanley was taken off me. He was given to Stan, so uh, to my husband, sorry. So they had their, you know, time, the skin on skin and... And I was taken down to theatre, which I, again, I didn't really think much of. And I was so um, full of like emotion and hormones. And I remember I went down the corridor past my mum and dad 
and my in-laws. And it's the first time I'd seen them since I'd had Stanley. And I was like, it's a boy. And I remember <laughs> yeah. giving like my dad a high five and being like, it's amazing. Not really. And I was like, I'm just going to theater. I'll be fine. I'll be back soon. Um, yeah. Not, yeah. you know, no um, idea of the extent of, of sort of what was happening to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, you, you, you sort of, your concern isn't yourself at that mm-hmm. moment, is it? So I was taken down to theatre. I was given an epidural. <laughs> so after eight hours of labour, yeah. mm-hmm. I was then given an epidural. So I was like, really? I could have had this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and yeah, and then basically the doctor had to go in with his hand and remove my placenta. And I remember them talking me through, so the midwife sort of talking me through that. And I, again, sort of being then numb from obviously from the the neck down or the chest down and them saying right we're going to be removing your placenta this could cause damage to your womb this could affect um future pregnancies we might not get it all so then might we might have to go in again at some point and all of this information i was just like what yeah. like what what is this whilst this doctor's doing the you know horrific really horrific when you think of what they're doing and it's amazing that they can do that but still I was like oh um and then so I guess I was fortunate in a sense that I got stitched up as well during that so it was the doctor that actually did my stitches but again I remember the um the nurse saying to me okay right your cut is quite significant Mm -hmm. um it's a second degree um Mm -hmm. cut and so we're going to stitch it up. And again, I, I didn't know what that meant. So I was just like, oh, th- thank you. I remember saying thank you. And her mm-hmm. being like, um, well, it's it's quite, a, you know, it's quite a big thing and it might cause incontinence and and all this information and being so vulnerable, I guess, at that point and having no one with me. I was on my own. Um, I didn't have my husband by my side at this point. So I didn't even have anyone to take that information in for me and to mm-hmm. sort of to uh, understand the gravitas of that it was just me sort of going okay okay I you just, just want to get out of here no I had a really similar experience so I um my son was a v-back so he was a vaginal birth whereas his sister two years before had been a c-section right and uh so I had a third degree tear with him and ended up as you say similar sort of thing gave didn't have a spinal didn't have an epidural when he was being born but then had to go into surgery and all that (laughs) I remember lying there as the guy was stitching me up in all kinds of serious ways and thinking yep this time I've done it properly because he came out of the right hole (gasps) you know last time I had failed in some way as a mother because I'd had a c-section but this time I did probably I just had so I was completely unaware of the damage that had been caused or what that might mean or anything. I just thought, oh, it's just a few stitches, right? Everyone has that when they have a baby, so it must be fine. Yeah, (laughs) that was it. Yeah, it's no understanding at all. No understanding, yeah, and not knowing, you know, what the second degree meant. I didn't know, you know, hear that with birds, don't you? But I'd never heard, what's the second degree, what does that mean? Absolutely. Um, Obviously, I didn't know what it looked like. No. I couldn't feel anything at that point. You would have been the same. So you're mm-hmm. aware that they're doing something, but you can't sort of feel the extent of it. Um, and then you were probably similar then. I went into recovery then, the mm-hmm. recovery room. Mm-hmm. So I'd had Stanley at like, I think eight o'clock at night. So this was like happening quite late by this point. Um, and they put me in a recovery room and there was no one else in there. <laughs> so I'm lying there 
numb and just thinking, I don't know what's just happened. How did I end up in here? Where Where's is my baby? baby? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, where, you're like, I'm just presuming that he's okay. Like, obviously he's with his dad, but yeah. I want to be with him. Yeah, like, yeah, I had, just yeah, hadn't yeah, had yeah, that yeah. time with him yet. Sort of had a, you know, a few moments and then was whisked away. And and then eventually I was taken back down to the, the ward. Obviously so relieved to see the my baby so relieved to see my husband because he didn't know either he had no idea what was going on so not only was I not really sure what's going on my husband hadn't been informed he just yeah. knew that I'd been taken off and which he is got really scary really scary for yeah. him because again like we're just not told are we so when I eventually got back to him he was really relieved to see me obviously Stanley um I got to hold and and um feed but then again it, it goes then from it wasn't about me again anymore it was yeah. suddenly like right let's get your breastfeed in let's um you know let's get the baby sorted and at that point I was still it would have been like my legs was I still had no feeling so I mm-hmm. couldn't get up and walk about um I didn't know what was going on and yeah it was sort of and then I was I was in hospital then we were both in hospital for a week um nothing to do with what had happened um during my delivery mine was um Stanley got an infection and I got an infection so he was then on um antibiotics for a week Mm -hmm. and I had to obviously stay in Mm -hmm. with him so we were then in hospital for a week after that (laughs) my goodness what a start what a way to enter the world (laughs) I know the drama in with a bang yeah yeah (laughs) um so in terms of like recovering afterwards then um at what point did you realise recovery was not going to be a walk in the park? It was probably, so we had that week in the hospital and I remember obviously being in the hospital was quite useful again because there were nurse, the midwives and nurses would check my stitches every day. Um, and again, I didn't really know what was going on down there. I just knew that every time I went for a wee, you have to sort of douche, don't you? So I had to take a jug of water and a clean towel and mm-hmm. everything was very, very sensitive. And I felt really lonely because during the day, it was great. I had visitors, but during the night, which I found the hardest, I was on my own. Yeah. And again, you have the midwife said, but they do leave you to it because yeah. obviously, you know. And the baby needs tending and... all night and you yeah. have to sort of, drag yourself across the bed when all hell has broken loose yeah and it, it hurts and you've got to pick up this baby and yeah and attach it to look your, after your, it and, your boob yeah. if you're breastfeeding and you know you're learning all of that aren't you yeah. and yeah yeah I found that week really really difficult so in in a lot of ways like yeah. physically for me mentally emotionally mm-hmm. so when I got home I think I sort of thought well this is it now I'm home like everything will be okay I've got help and it wasn't until I think it was sort of the magnitude of, I thought my stitches would just heal and everything would be okay. And I'd sort of be um, comfortable and be able to take, you know, slowly get back up to speed with things. And it to, to an extent I sort of did, you know, you, you sit on the cushion like you do, you've got your little <laughs> like safety cushion, haven't you, when you mm-hmm. sit down. And, and um, I was so keen to sort of, get back to normal life for myself I think especially because I'd had that that week in um, hospital that I would go out for like little walks um but for me it was sort of the the healing didn't happen as quickly as I thought it would 
I remember the midwife coming out because again I didn't like I don't you don't want your husband to have a look down there do you and I, and I didn't, didn't want to look myself no. to be honest because I didn't want to yeah I didn't want to know <laughs> yeah exactly same so I I guess I could have got a mirror and had a look but I didn't because I didn't want to know so I was just aware of it being very very sensitive yeah um and again at home continuing like the douching and mm-hmm. um and all of that and um I think um, I had a midwife visit and I got a she checked them for me so that was was mm-hmm. great and sort of reassuring and mm-hmm. she told me everything looked like it was like healing norm like normally and mm-hmm. everything looked well so that was great so I sort of didn't really I didn't really notice um like the extent of what had happened until I guess until it had sort of healed to a point and the stitches had gone and then what I found was um it was then really painful every time I went to the toilet yeah for a number two a poo right a poo basically yeah um (laughs) Yeah. It was to the point where it was excruciating, like it was, it was unbearable. Mm-hmm. And I would sit and I would, it would, I dread, I dread it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would. Which makes it worse, right? Because oh, then you tense worse. up. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's something that you have to do. So there's no avoiding it, but I would literally spend a long time in the toilet because it would be so painful and then I would bleed so and it would bleed quite a lot so you know that's always worrying because it's not something you want to see or and I didn't know what was going on and as far as I was aware I was sort of I was healed um as much as I was was going to be so then that became like that went on probably for I'd say a a year of of that of it being very painful going to the doctors um and then I think they gave me suppositories. Again, that's obviously then quite painful because it's then a tender area. So for me, this was because of the second degree um, cut. So I think they cut me quite badly. And I don't know whether that was because he was in a rush to get Stanley out or what had happened, mm-hmm. but um, it was quite significant. And and then I'd got like a an anal tear mm-hmm. because of that then as well. Right. So it went on for quite a while. And there was no sort of... The thing is, when I went to the doctor, I remember them sort of... it. It felt like it was a, well, that's, it is what it is. Oh, I hear this so often. It's the standard, you've had a baby, what do you expect? Yeah, these things can happen. Um, So it's, uh, and it felt like it was more a case of, well, these things can happen. Obviously, unfortunately, it's happened to you. Um, So these are ways that we can manage it rather than, there was no cure. There was no like, oh, you just need to do this or you need to rest or, you know, we can, we can do this for you. It was uh, these, yeah. This is this is sort of it, so and and these are the the measurements that we we have in place and just keep an eye on it, um, and it was more like but it was it wasn't sustainable either. It was like I think they gave me, so I had suppositories and then um, I forgot what it's called, but um, obviously a sort of laxative essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're not things that, you know, I'm going to be wanting to use them every day for the rest of my life. And it's not, it's not sustainable, is it? It's not nice it's either. Not it's nice. not something that you, you want to do. Um, and yeah, so it went on probably for about a year with no, no answer. Um, and it, yeah, I think it's, 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 it's the fact that I had sort of no idea that there could be long-term repercussions of a cut or a tear or how bad it 
can mm-hmm. get that there can mm-hmm. be prolapse and incontinence and piles you know the stuff again that I think all pregnant women get or postnatally you get and you're just not told about mm-hmm. these things mm-hmm. and why should we be embarrassed and I think you know if you tell me tell me a, a woman that's had a baby that hasn't had one of of these issues or experienced something mm-hmm. uh, along these lines it's never straightforward is it but it's so taboo and hidden it's just so hidden yeah secretive yeah I mean all of the language that you know that we use like when I had a prolapse I had never heard the word prolapse before um you know I didn't know what a pelvic floor was I mean I had a vague idea that if at some point yeah you, you you had a little leak when you laughed or coughed you could do pelvic floor exercises and a few of those would sort it all out and that was kind of like the really naive level I understood any of it at mm. just no idea of like the the gravity and what that can mean then like physically and mentally for you because as you say like nobody wants to think that every time they visit the toilet they're going to be in excruciating pain or that they have to live a life on laxatives and all the rest Mm -hmm. of it like it's just so damaging to your sense of self and your relationship with yourself and your body and your relationship with your baby and your relationship with your partner and all of those things it's so it's so hard and yet it's delivered in often not always but sometimes delivered in such a matter of fact way that's it now yeah that's it this is it and like you say it's it's the impact that it has or can have on your relationship as well because again you're not you never sort of um when it comes to having sex again you're never told what that looks like or might look like Mm -hmm. and obviously for myself and yourself that wasn't something that was an option for a a long time after having a baby one because it was uncomfortable I was really really nervous about that I remember um and I still have like scar tissue I imagine Mm -hmm. you're the same from the cut that can still sometimes be sensitive Mm -hmm. now um and that even if it's like you know, you're wearing a tight pair of trousers or something that it can be a little bit uncomfortable. And that's not something mm-hmm. I had before and that's something that I will have forever. There's nothing mm-hmm. I can do about that. Um, so it does affect you massively physically. And like you say, mentally, then it's sort of a, it's a confidence thing, isn't it? And I think we're sort of programmed to think as women that, yeah, that that's just the way it is and there's no, there's no hope. <laughs> so... Yeah suck it up um but it's not that's not the you know that's not the truth about it is it and i think that's why these conversations are really important yeah and i don't did did you get like a diagnosis or was there a type a name was it um anal fissures is that what yes they said it was okay and and how how were you otherwise in in terms of other symptoms like pelvic floor issues or any any other kind of things that cropped up at that period or was that the main thing that was the main thing pelvic floor so I knew about pelvic floor because of my pre-postnatal training yeah. so I and I was so the the women and they're amazing um they're called the female fitness academy I went um as soon as I could after having Stanley they have classes and you can take your baby with you you just put them on a little play mat and you're right next to them and they literally do the very basic pelvic floor work the stuff that people go you, you need to do this but you don't know what you're doing on your own. You sort of need that guidance. And I think I remember the only thing that I got told about this, if I hadn't have known it myself, so if I had none of that knowledge, someone came around one day and gave me a yellow leaflet when I was lying in the hospital bed 
didn't even tell me what it was, just put this leaflet like on my table where my drinks were. And I remember my husband picking it up and it was like, you should do these pelvic floor exercises. Now, I imagine so many people discard that or don't even look at it or go, mm, I'm not going to do that or don't understand yeah. the gravity of what that is and how important that is after having a baby. Um, so I, one I knew and I understood, I knew, you know, I have the knowledge of the anatomy and but two, I went to these classes and I would recommend them to any women that have had a baby, whether it's first, second, third, mm-hmm. whatever, like, or women that haven't, to be honest, like mm-hmm. just working on your pelvic floor is is so important. And it's so simple once you understand what you're connecting and yeah. what it is that you're actually mm-hmm. supposed to be doing. Um, so, um, and it was more of a like, it was a lovely little social gathering. They, they you know, we did the pelvic floor work. We did very, very light um exercise and it was lovely it came out we'd always go for a little coffee afterwards with our babies Mm -hmm. and so it was it was a nice way to get out of the house as well so I found it really beneficial and then I would walk as well and you know try and do um whatever I could but I never put any pressure on myself Mm -hmm. um and I I think that's really important and I wanted to embrace being a mummy for the first time yeah you know I wanted to just be with him and, mm-hmm. and it be about him and um but I think when I did then start you know getting back into more physical exercise that's when my sort of uh the impact of what had happened to me physically I started to notice right, a bit okay. more because I did then find it uncomfortable to do certain things um so sort of pain with movement Sort of pain, yeah. I think down down there, yeah. It was yeah. it was just sensitive, um, and I was it was. I think it might have even been more sort of psychological. I was very conscious that I had this area that was sensitive and that wasn't you know quite right yet, um, and it was yeah. I think it was more sort of in my own head than anything, and it, and actually, then sort of ironically, what cured everything for me was getting back into exercise and changing my nutrition and getting back into like a really good rhythm and routine because touch wood like it like say it lasted about a year maybe a year to 14 months I'd say I then really got back into training again because I trained um for we got married when Stan was about 18 months old okay and it was that that fixed it so it was that for me that was the thing that, you know, it wasn't the suppositories, it wasn't the laxatives, it wasn't that, oh, we can't really do much. It was the, right, let's eat really well, really healthily. That in itself made it easier. Um, and I think then training and getting back into proper strength training for me obviously had an impact on pelvic floor, but it, it sort of just, I, I don't know how to sort of describe it, but sort of just brought everything together and... I was the sort of the fittest that I'd ever been. And yeah, then it sort of put that behind me. Like I say, the only thing I've sort of got now is is the, the scar tissue, but that's not something that mm-hmm. will ever go away. Um, it strikes me that you've really carved out your own recovery plan. Like, I, And I think this is part of, the, you know, we talked about you have the baby in hospital and then you just left to your own devices. And I think mm-hmm. for loads of women who haven't got the knowledge that you 
had and haven't necessarily got kind of you know the fitness context or the you know the sense of where you could go to just start that very gentle exercise and build it up piece by piece by piece this is where a lot of the issues lie isn't it because we just sort of Imagine if you had just left hospital with none of that information, without the ability to carve that plan out for yourself, you wouldn't be where you are now, would you? No, and I think it's also the not believing all the stuff that you hear as well. Again, because I had that knowledge, like, and I still now a lot of my friends will go, oh, you know, I can't, I can't go on a trampoline because I'll, I'll wee and, mm-hmm. or, you know, I can't, I just can't do that anymore. It's like, it feels like, a lot of people have just been defeated and gone, well, that's what it is now. Because mm-hmm. that's what we've been told. That's yeah. just the yeah. way it is now. And I refuse to believe that. One, because I sort of knew, but two, because I was like, nah, this can't be it. Like, I like my life too much to just go, no, well, that's it now, I'm done. And it's not, you know, obviously my life is about Stanley, but it's still about me. And I think a lot of it for me was that I wanted to regain my identity as Sarah and be Sarah and Stanley's mummy, not just Stanley's mum and, you know, I'm written off now, like, that's it, that's me done. Um, So I think a lot of it is, there's so much good information out there now. We're really lucky that there are, you know, there's a lot of amazing podcasts, there's a lot of amazing experts out there. We've got a lot of resources for free at our fingertips, but it's just making sure that you're finding the right ones Mm -hmm. and and sort of not just sort of going, yeah, well, that, yeah, that's it. Because it's yeah. not it. Like, no, we, it's not. You know, we've it's got really our whole not. lives ahead of us. And then, and look at Sarah, pole dancing her way to incredible fit. I mean, God, oh, the stamina the and the strength. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the pole dancing. I know. <laughs> love it. I found like, I, just, I started it as a bit of a, oh, I'll see if I like it. I'd done it, um, obviously, I'd done it like on a Hindu or a couple of Hindus over the years and gone, oh, this, this could be fun. And then found somewhere and I am obsessed. I'm addicted to it. I love it. So I, I still it. do the gym, but I found something that I really, it's challenging and rewarding. And it's a real lovely female community that are super supportive. So it's right up my street. Yeah, it looks really empowering and quite yes. inspiring, I think, as well to think, you know, you described the birth that you had and the difficulties you had for a whole year or more afterwards. And now to be at a point where you can do that, like yeah. that is real kind of. Wonder Woman yeah. type well, the, I, Most of the women that are there are mums. So there's one lady, I don't know how old she is, but she's older than me and she's had um, a double hip replacement and she is up that pole, upside down. And I'm just like, <laughs> well, if you could do it, then I could yeah. do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I love. Oh, I love like it. we're unstoppable. We just, we've got to know that and we've got to just do it in the right way and listen to your body and listen to yourselves and get, you know, the right advice. Um but yeah, having a baby is, for me, it was the sort of start of my life, not, not the end. Well, that feels like a really good point to finish. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Jane Dawn, I'm so grateful for your honesty around this. We really should be talking more about the realities of recovering from childbirth and what you can do to rehabilitate over weeks or months or years or longer. You can find Sarah on Instagram. She is at Sarah Jane Dunn. That's Jane with a Y and an E. More details in the show notes. As ever, keep in mind that we are not medical professionals, so please don't take anything you hear as medical advice, but do seek out your own professional help. You've been listening to Why Mums Don't Jump with me, Helen Ledwick. You can find me on socials at Why Mums Don't Jump or online at whymumsdontjump.com. 
The book is called Why Mums Don't Jump, Ending the Pelvic Floor Taboo, and it's available to buy now. See you next week.